It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. Jay Robertson McQuilkin married the love of his life, Muriel. Together they had enjoyed many years. He was able to serve in a ministry of education. After being the headmaster of an institution, he and his wife served as missionaries in Japan. Then they returned to the United States and he enjoyed a long and successful tenure from 1968 to 1990 as the president of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. His term came to an end, not because he was removed, not because he was fired, but because he resigned from his position. Why would someone who was truly at the pinnacle of their career simply resign? It was because of a promise. It was because of a commitment. During those final years, his wife Muriel began showing signs of Alzheimer's. It was the little things here and there, forgetfulness, doing irrational things. It finally came to the point that Muriel felt insecure whenever her husband wasn't around her. So Jay Robertson McQuilkin made what many would consider a hard decision and resigned from his successful position to be there full time with his wife. Listen to his own words from his memoir, A Promise Kept. The decision was made in a way 42 years ago when I promised to care for Muriel in sickness and in health till death do us part. So as a man of my word, integrity has something to do with it, but so does fairness. She cared for me fully and sacrificially all these years. If I cared for her for the next 40 years, I would not be out of her debt. Duty, however, can be grim and stoic, but there is more. I love Muriel. She is a delight to me. Her childlike dependence and confidence in me, her warm love, occasional flashes of that wit I used to relish so, her happy spirit and tough resilience in the face of her continual distressing frustration. I don't have to care for her, I get to. It is a high honor to care for so wonderful a person. Muriel died under the care of the one who committed and promised until death do us part. A story such as this begs us to question the truthfulness of the old adage, promises are like pie crust, they are made to be broken. Is this really true? J. Robertson McQuilkin didn't think so. He kept his promise, even though it meant great sacrifice on his part. The Bible speaks of promises. In fact, the Bible mentions the word promise over 50 times. It uses an even stronger word, covenant, which is a contract or an agreement over 300 times. The first use of the word covenant in the Bible is found in the story that we've been studying, the real and true story of Noah. You'll remember that God made a covenant with Noah in Genesis chapter 6, 
verses 17 and 18. Genesis 6, 17 and 18. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Here God makes a covenant with Noah, a promise to save him in this ark. Now we have studied Noah over the course of the last programs. And if you've missed one of those programs, you can go to our website. It is written Canada.ca and find the programs there. Or you can go to YouTube.com forward slash IIW Canada. And there you can also watch the programs to catch up with where we are this week. God establishes an agreement with Noah to save his family in the ark. And that is exactly what he did. God gave Noah instructions. Noah was obedient to those instructions and warned the people of the earth and then built the ark. Then God was faithful to his promise and through his grace saved Noah and his family and the representative animals of the earth all in the ark. Remember, the flood teaches God's grace and his mercy. And although the whole earth was absolutely corrupt, God extended a 120-year probationary period and he provided a way of escape to get on the ark. It was just one small act of faith and obedience. But the flood also teaches us about God's justice. There is a day of reckoning. God must bring things to an end. Jesus himself compared the last day to Noah's time. But the flood also teaches us about a God who keeps promises. Noah, his family, and the representative animals were all safely on the ark. Notice how the story continues in Genesis chapter 7, verses 17 to 24. Now the flood was on the earth 40 days. And the waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle, and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 100 and 50 days. The flood was universal in its effect. The flood water rose 15 cubits above the highest mountaintops. That is eight meters above the highest of mountains. But I want you to also notice what the Bible says. All the earth and all the creatures that dwelt on the earth and all the birds of the air, all of mankind, except for Noah and his family, died in the flood. 
There were no stowaways on the ark. No one else built a boat. There was no fight for control of the ark. God made a promise and he made a covenant that only those who got on the ark through free choice would survive. God was true to his word. Can you imagine what Noah and his family went through? Can you imagine the thunder, the rolling seas, the pandemonium? Yet through it all, they had God's promise. Friend, today we have God's promises. Are you facing a crisis? Maybe you have a marriage that is falling apart. Maybe you have a growing health concern. Jesus says, come to him and he will give you peace. God is faithful. He was faithful to Noah and he will be faithful to you. What happened next? Did God leave Noah to float around on the boat forever? Of course not. Listen to how the story continues in Genesis chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were all stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. God didn't forget Noah. He remembered Noah. In this vast universe of God's creation, he didn't forget his promise to Noah. And friend, he won't, and he doesn't forget you either. So the flood stops, the rain stops, the water coming from the earth stops. The Bible says that God then sent a wind upon the earth and the waters began to recede. So much so that the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat as the tops of those mountains were exposed. The Bible says that this episode lasted 150 days or five months. Can you imagine Noah and his family on a boat for five months? In addition, the animals that they cared for and all that comes with that. Yet they trusted God. They knew that he was faithful. They trusted in him. So as the ark came to rest there in the mountains of Ararat, there was still an abundance of water on the earth. They waited in the ark another three months to even see if they could leave the ark. So the Bible tells us that Noah would test to see if the land was ready for them to disembark the ark. Let's read. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself." 
and he waited yet another seven days. And again, he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth and Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet, yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. Noah sent out messengers, so to speak, to see if the waters had receded enough. He, he sent out a raven, which kept returning to the ark as long as there was no place else to rest. He also sent out a dove. I'm sure Noah and his family, not to mention the animals, were all anxious to leave this boat and be on solid ground. But he exercised patience. Noah trusted God. He had faith in him. Patience and faith. Two very important qualities for those who follow the Lord. That dove returned with a sign, a freshly plucked olive leaf. It was a true sign that the earth was soon to be inhabitable again. He sent the dove out again, this time never to return. The dove had found a home outside of the ark. Finally, after spending just over a year in the ark, now they could leave and they could re-inhabit the earth. Genesis 8, 15 to 17 continues the story. Then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your son's wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Now, friends, there is an important observation to be made here. Noah leaves the ark when he is told by God. Noah's faith and obedience continued. Too often, friends, we are ready and anxious to listen to God. But then once we have what we want or what we need, or once the trouble in our life is past, we forget all about him. Once again, let's learn from Noah and continue our listening to God at all time. Noah listens and they leave the ark. When Noah and his family left the ark, what was Noah's first act? What was the first thing that Noah did? The Bible records that in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Noah worshiped God. Noah made sacrifices to God. Noah acknowledged that God is faithful. You see, Noah kept first things first. Friends, it is a call for us. It is a call for us to remember God at all times. We should spend time with him in his word and through prayer. In the good times and the bad times, always spend time with God. As Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him 
and he shall direct your paths. The Lord will not let us down. Then God makes a promise to Noah. It is a promise that we see evidence of even today. Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 to 17 record that promise. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Did you hear that? God made a promise. He, he made a covenant. Now, covenant is a contract or agreement. He promised that the earth would never again be destroyed in a worldwide flood. The sign that it wouldn't happen again, the rainbow. The rainbow in the sky is a continual reminder of God's love and his commitment to us. But it was even more than just a promise of there never again being a worldwide flood. God makes a promise that the rainbow is a reminder of the everlasting covenant. What is the everlasting covenant? It is the covenant made in the Garden of Eden by God to man. It was the covenant that God made to reconcile us to him, even though we had sinned. In Genesis 3 and verse 15, God promised, he covenanted, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God promised there in the midst of that garden, he made a covenant that even though man had disobeyed and sent into motion an entire series of dominoes falling that affected the entire universe, there he promised to save man from his sin. It is the everlasting covenant that God wants to make with us as his sons and daughters. Every time we see a rainbow, it is a reminder of God's faithfulness. The rainbow is a symbol that reminds us of the goodness of God. But it also draws our attention to the trust and obedience of Noah. 
The rainbow is a reminder that we can only find true refuge with the Lord. The rainbow surrounds the very throne of God. Even now today, the rainbow is there around the throne. Revelation chapter four, verses two and three describe that heavenly throne room and the rainbow that is there. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. The rainbow tells us that God wants to save us. The ark was a place of protection. It was the vessel of salvation. It was the vessel that would protect Noah and his family. God has made another ark. It, it is an ark for today. It is an ark that isn't a physical structure, but it provides even more protection. The ark that God has provided today is the outstretched arms of Jesus. He is the only one who can save us from our sins. Just like the days of Noah, God is appealing. He's calling to us to get in the ark. Our relationship with Jesus is our only safety in these last days. Jesus will ride with us through the storms of life and he will guide us safely through. Do you want to be in the arms of safety today? God is faithful. He has great faithfulness to us. Every day he shows us his mercy and his grace. Don't you want to come to him? Don't you want to come to him today and be in his arms of safety? Listen to this song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And may each of us be drawn into the arms of Jesus. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not as thou hast been. Thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above join with all nature in manifold witness to 
Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful that you are a keeper of promises. We are thankful that you are faithful. Today, we give our life to you. Lord, keep your promise to us. Save us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. hope you've been enjoying this series, Noah, the Real Story. I'd like to offer you the six-part DVD set, which goes over the whole series of Noah and God's faithfulness for this time. Here's the information that you need to get today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. 
The story of Noah is the story of a loving God who wants to save his people. I hope and pray that these programs have been stirring you, have been drawing you nearer to want to follow Jesus more. He's calling and he's appealing to do so. I hope that you'll join us for next week's program. But until then, remember, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.